pursuit of entertainment, education, and some adjective to be named later, the Homestown you proudly presents Trek West 5, a conglomerate podcast of science fiction, politics, humor, and pretty much whatever else they want to talk about. Your hosts for Trek West 5 are Joey and Peter. Good evening and welcome to Podcast 172. I am Peter. And I am Joey. Uh, a lack of preparation uh, truly indicates that this is going to probably be a crappy podcast. <laughs> I didn't send out an email. All I did was post something on Facebook. I was just tired. I didn't come up with a top five. Yeah, I didn't even bother to ask you for the top five either. Yeah, so I, I, I can't I, even I, blame that on you. <laughs> Finally, no. something you can't blame on me. <laughs> yeah, um, it's for a good purpose, though. I think uh, a lot of focus has been going into um, work this week for me, and probably for you, Joey, yeah. a little bit. Uh, we got a cool client. That's I don't think we mentioned it last time we recorded. We're working, going to be doing some websites for the Stanford University. Yep. So kind of a cool big deal. And uh, we're trying to make sure we do a good job because, you know, this is a big client, but this is a chance for us to showcase. And if we do well on these, then, you know, there's a potential for additional implementation help, which would, you know, there there'd be work in there for, you know, maybe a year or two. So that's kind of a big deal. We're excited about that. Um, and we're going to make it happen. So. Uh, any news? Any updates for you, Joey? Anything? Uh, just something interesting on the drive over to your house tonight after work. I My wife ha- always has the radio on in the car. And so I got in and I turned the car on and the radio's on and there's this man talking and I'm thinking, Wh- whose voice is that? I recognize that voice. And the whole way over here, uh, it's what, maybe 10 minutes to your house? From About work? 15. Okay. The, the guy's talking, and I just could not figure out why I knew that voice. And just as I pulled up in front of your house, and as I was about to turn the key off, it said, you've been listening to The Jerry Doyle Show. Jerry Doyle is the actor who played Michael Garibaldi in Babylon 5. Oh, Apparently okay. he has a radio talk show now. I think we already knew that, though. Okay. I guess I forgot that. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you I, forgot that. I caught it on the way over, and I thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. It was He was talking about a guy. He was talking to a gentleman who wrote a book about uh, getting rid of cash in our society. Okay. So they were having an interesting discussion. I thought it was interesting, and I was like, oh, hey, it was, it's that's Jerry Doyle. It's Garibaldi. That's who that was. Ah, uh, yes. The terrible, terrible actor. <laughs> but I'm happy he's found something that uh, gainfully uh, pays him money. Um. I don't have anything to mention either, so I guess uh, we could do an email okay. to start off with. Um, listener M sent something in to us. i uh, go pull it up here. He says, uh, hey, dudes, I enjoyed hearing the report on what it's like to go to a scout camp in this day. <laughs> it sounds, a lot, uh, sounds like a lot of fun. It almost makes me want to volunteer. Congrats to Joey for being a party pooper. And putting the kibosh on the unfunded party that wanted the they wanted to throw, 
We need more people to pay a little more attention and not run up huge bills that we don't have money for. Also, I also liked the Adventures in Republican jingle. <laughs> Did you add a jingle in there? I just put the reverb behind my voice as oh, I was okay. singing the words Adventures in Republican. <laughs> um, we, uh, we should get an update on that. What, yep. what's, what's happened so far? So uh, it's been very interesting. They've, they've brought the bill down from $18,000 to about $4,000. Found... Are they getting rid of the band then? No. No, the, that's basically the only thing we have. We have the band and the actual stadium now. So they, they had this, like, I don't know how much I said last time, but they had this idea for these prime rib dinners for a VIP area. Uh-huh. And they had everyone else was going to get uh, a pulled pork dinner. And, and that was like $10,000, those two things Holy together. Cow. And so we, we're going to pay the band what we told them we'd pay them. And we've got the we've talked to the event center down a little bit from their price, saying, "Hey, you know, you guys are going to get a lot of benefit from this. Your students are going to be coming here. We're going to give you guys booze that you can have, because uh, it's also during their rush week. And so we're, like, we're going to give we're going to donate some of the booths that is in the space that technically we're paying for to the college for them to put the rush week stuff in. Okay. And so we've got their price down a little bit." And they've actually been managing to find some donors for it. And so it looks like this actually will happen. If you're at all interested in hearing the band The Strike and you live in Utah County or want to travel to Utah County, <laughs> they will be at the UCCU Event Center, which is next to the universe, or Utah, Valley, Utah Valley University. I, I hear Bob and SpongeBob like giddy, you know, so giddy with delight right now. <laughs> they're plan, they're making their plans. They're, to they've come got, out. they're buying their plane tickets as we yep. speak. Uh, it'll be September nineteenth. I think it's at seven p.m., but I'm not sure on that. Watch ucrp.org for updates. <laughs> we'll be glued to the website <laughs> for sure. Uh, so, do you think it's actually going to make money at this point? Uh, it, it, it at least will break even. Okay. Whether or not it makes money depends on how many tickets get sold. And you guys had already budgeted a certain amount. Yes. Yeah, so the, the the whole thing started as a an, a picnic that they do every year that we say, you know what, we're gonna just spend five thousand dollars, and it's just kind of a chance for to get, energize the Republican Party, get people together, give them a chance to meet with their legislators, you know, just to get people interested in being a Republican and remind them, hey, you know what? We're not all boring, dry rules conversations. Sometimes we have fun, too. Some of us uh, like the rules conversations. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I'm glad you've put your foot down. They've managed to tighten the belts a little bit. Yep. Hopefully some people have learned some lessons and your political capital will have gone up, I hope. I believe I've burned all. <laughs> like I, I know oh. that previous friends are now not so friendly to me as a result. What about the people who are in charge, who are like on the, the various boards that, uh, that you sit on? Like, have they recognized, oh, okay, this guy just really saved us a ton of the, cash. The executive committee did thank me for my for doing my duty basically like yeah well we're glad at least the treasurer was willing to tell you people no because <laughs> the chair and the vice chair were so excited about the event that they didn't ever look at the bill and, and they're like well at least the treasurer put the brakes on this and the, and the executive committee did make some rules and gave us some guidance and we're going to have another meeting with the executive committee next thursday night 
to you know show them what what progress we've made and, and get their blessing to continue forward. You know, being the fun killer, <laughs> the fun suck, <laughs> it is not a terrible thing. I've been that many many times in my life. It's it's like the carrion fly. It's really needed out there. <laughs> Terribly annoying, uh, a nuisance, but still, in the end, has a positive role. So, congratulations. Yeah, I, I don't mind so much being the fun killer. It's just that there's one person who was kind of one of my allies before, my friend. Um, she was very, very tightly involved in, in turning this from a picnic into a concert and feels like... Anybody who has anything negative to say about it, it's a personal attack on her. And it's unfortunate that she took it there. You know, then you don't want that person as a friend. They seem unstable. (laughs) I don't know if I'd go that far. I I hope that she can learn to see this for, you know what, look, I'm I'm doing my responsibility. We needed somebody to rein this thing in. Maybe you could send... Right now it's a little too close. A well-worded thank you card after the event. Yeah, there you go. Pointing out how you were right all along, <laughs> but and she still she did a was good job. Terribly wrong. <laughs> I think that'll go over well. Yeah, the, the, you know, women love that kind of thing. <laughs> My wife will attest to it. Uh, continuing on, uh, Mark says, "In case you're wondering, I had a good birthday yesterday. I may be getting older, but I refuse to grow up. Congratulations on continuing to live." <laughs> I'm not sure about putting together a regular segment about my travels for the podcast. That sounds like work. I would only put something out there that is up to your high standards. I would need to come up with a 30-second opening jingle, sound effects, (laughs) and a closing theme. (laughs) Although I like the idea of having a regular spot like Brainy's Nook. Um, yeah, you totally could if you want to, uh, and it doesn't actually have to be about your travels. It could be about anything that you want. Yeah. It's, we wouldn't it's, care. It's not like Brainy got special permission to write to <laughs> us every week. <laughs> um, okay. Top five suggestion. Okay. Favorite skin job Cylons. I okay. definitely have my favorite model. Um, have a good recording later, listener M. You want to do it? No, not today. Okay, but I really think that that's a yeah. series wrap up oh. item to add in there. Okay, because we have to know you, who the final five are. Yeah, I think you may get swayed. I think by, I know who the final five are. Oh, we're gonna be placing bets then. <laughs> uh, excellent. No, I look forward to this podcast. I was I was really dreading it, but now now <laughs> I'm excited. Uh, okay, well, uh, Mark, thank you very much for the email. Um, Brainy, if you didn't get your email in in time, that's totally our fault, so don't even stress it. We'll get you next time. We're just happy that you're going to listen. Yeah, just listen. send it an extra long email next week that Pete has <laughs> yeah. to read. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's fair. That's fair. Um, okay, so no top five. Facebook find of the week is going to go to listener Fishhead uh, for his um, post uh, where he grabbed a YouTube video of what it would be like if a football coach became a oh, soccer coach. That was really funny. I watched that one. Jason Sudeikis is uh, a favorite uh, comedian of mine, and I think he did uh, a, an excellent job 
in, uh, in portraying it. Oh, I'm fired. <laughs> <laughs> so really great find. Uh, I hope everybody else enjoyed it as much as I did. Um, there, we're working on an award. And by working on, I came up with an idea of how to actually incorporate something uh, one of the pictures that Brainy <laughs> sent to us, we just need to get Joey to actually try and produce it. Okay. Which is, I, I'll grant, is going to be a little tough, but I think it could be fun. We'll see. Maybe okay. we won't do that. Who knows? I, I vaguely remember what we talked about. Let's just I can up. remind you. Yeah, let's I follow it. Make sure you. I remember it correctly. Okay. Um, Joey's Culture Corner. Okay. So, Saturday. I was driving around town with my wife, and I had left my phone at home because the battery was low and it was plugged into the charger. And so I told my wife, give me your phone. I want to look something up. And I can't even remember now what I wanted to look up, but I wanted to look something up on the internet. And uh, she hands me her phone, and I'm hitting the... She's got an iPhone 4. I'm hitting the home button on the iPhone. Nothing happens. I hit, I'm hitting it, I'm hitting it. And I said, what on earth is wrong with your phone? She says, oh, yeah, the home button's broken. You have to push it right here on this one spot and uh-huh. push really hard and hold it in order to get it to work. And I, right as she said that, you know, we're sitting at a stoplight. And so I look up, and the light's green. I hand her her phone back. And as I look down the road ahead of us, I see an AT&T store. Mm-hmm. And I said, that's it. I've had it. I pulled into the AT&T store, and I went in, and I bought a new phone. And I gave my wife my phone. Okay, uh, I bought a Galaxy Samsung Galaxy S4. Mm-hmm. So that is the culture corner tonight. It's actually kind I of. I appreciate neat. you holding that up for the listeners. Yeah, well, to... for you, Pete. Oh, that was for me. Yes, was okay, I'll pay attention now. <laughs> he held it up to the mic and was pointing at it to, for everybody. Uh, I don't think I pointed at it, did I? No, you didn't. <laughs> um, the, the there's some interesting features with it. Now I. I had been toying with the idea of saving up and just buying what they call the Google Play edition, which is it comes directly from Google and it doesn't have any of Samsung's crapware, as they call it in the industry, installed on it. Uh, But I just decided, you know what, that's $400 more than I want to spend right now. And I'm irritated that my wife has been using this broken cell phone for who knows how long, not saying anything to me about it. So I just. Yeah, this really is her fault. No, well, I'm not saying I'm irritated at her. I'm saying (laughs) it's unfortunate that she didn't feel she could talk to me about that because I've been telling her for six months now, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to buy an Android phone at some point. I think I'm going to buy an Android phone. Well, maybe next month I'll buy the phone. And I'm really bad about this. I get what I like to call pre-buyer's remorse. (laughs) I see things that I want, and I think that's really cool. And then I start to calculate up in my head the money I would have to spend to get it. And I go, yeah, there's no way I'm getting that value out of it. And I end up not buying the thing. Uh, Probably a good thing (laughs) overall for my budget. (laughs) I don't think that's a pre-buyer's remorse. I think that's just a a healthy respect of, you know... (laughs) Uh, the value of a hard-earned dollar. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. The, the the thing is, I actually, I like, I've I've looked at the the cycle of emotions that people who suffer from buyer's remorse go through, and I actually experienced that same <laughs> th- that same dumb. emotional cycle, <laughs> but without ever having spent the money. <laughs> you are seriously <laughs> dope. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, like, there's like shame for having wanted it in the first place, and, you know. 
man. That's why I call it pre-bite. Anyway, uh, so there's some cool things going on here. The first one is uh, it has eye-tracking software built in. So it's got a front-facing camera. And as I'm reading a website, if my eyes start to move down to the bottom of the screen, the phone automatically scrolls the page up. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm watching a video, if I look away from the screen, the video pauses. Now you've, I've, you've I've heard about that. You've probably seen that on there's a there's a great ad on TV where a guy's watching and everyone in the airport or something is bugging him about his phone. Um, a lot of the other features I've turned off because I found they just didn't work well enough to be worth the hassle when they accidentally trigger. Mm-hmm. But uh, overall, I have to say I'm, I'm glad I got it. I, I much prefer the Android operating system at this point to the iOS operating system, and that's why I had been looking to get one. Uh, I actually have a Nexus 7 tablet, and every time I had to use my iPhone, I would just think, why isn't this Android? I just, I'm so much happier with the way my Nexus tablet works than with the way my iPhone works. I want an Android phone, and that's what finally made me feel okay about it was that my wife's phone was broken, but I'd been, you know, it's a, it's something I'd been toying with for a while. Uh, overall, the device gets a thumb up from me. I, I'm, I've been very pleased with it. Okay. Awesome. Okay. We are cutting in now. <laughs> Joining on... our program already in progress. <laughs> yeah. That's a great line. <laughs> uh, good, good TV line there, Joey. Um, Brainy Smurf sent in an email. We didn't get it until we were already covering the second episode, Rapture. Um, so we're we're putting this back in the right place where it would normally go. Um, so he begins with, Sup dudes, how is everyone? I recently saw Pacific Rim, and I would be remiss if I didn't tip my hat to the incredible Burn Gorman, who not only appeared in The Doctor and Torchwood, but also Game of Thrones and The Dark Knight. Yay for this quirky Brit. I recommend only unmuting the audio during his scenes and just playing Mozart's Requiem during the absolutely <laughs> fantastic fighting scenes. Okay. I never, I haven't seen Pacific Rim. It looks terrible, and I in no way want to see it, ever. <laughs> so I think it's one I'm going to skip. It's I probably one I'll watch with my son. Um, I don't know who Byrne Gorman is, so I'm going to have to go look yeah. him up. If he's been in Doctor Who and Torchwood, I'm sure I have seen him. Um, okay, Joey, did you like the radiation field idea? I can think of three Voyager episodes that deal with exactly that. Even half a decent episode of Enterprise comes to mind. Do you want to know more? Yes. Okay. Pete, how do you assess the idea of Trek West 5 covering Fringe? Can you even imagine how fun it would be to drag Joey through another series for the first time? <laughs> drag. I like that that's the verb. <laughs> I'll tell you. I, you know, last week I had already watched uh, the first episode. The first episode. And then you said we're not going to record. And I said, great. <laughs> it means I don't have to watch another episode this week. <laughs> Uh, he continues, it's got two quintessential hot chicks, great acting, and original sci-fi storytelling, anchored by the foundation of an estranged father-son relationship. I think it could be fun, but wait and see how this series develops. By the way, Pete, where are you at right now in the series? Um, I am a third of the way through season two. 
I have gotten busy with other things, so I just haven't had time to really focus on it. We are plowing through this podcast tonight, so there's a good chance I'll be watching a couple of episodes tonight. <laughs> um, he continues, also, what do you think about the new Doctor? You do share the same Christian name. I heard he was a good villain on Torchwood. Um, I don't know anything about him. I'm excited for the new Doctor. I'm sure that they are going to do a great job. I'm sure that I'm going to see him and say, boy, he's not as good as Matt Smith. <laughs> what did they switch to him for? Uh, because I did the exact same thing with Tennant, and then I did the exact same thing with Smith. So I'm sure I'll eventually come to love him, and I am looking forward to whatever is offered. You didn't in, do that with Eccleston? Doctor Who. Well, he was the first one. He relaunched everything. So <laughs> that, you didn't look at him and go, "Oh, he's no." <laughs> no, no. Other guy's name. He started right up, and I was in love with him from the beginning. I, I no problems with Eccleston. Yeah. Uh, continuing, also Pete regarding the awesome new band Foxygen. I was going to make fun of you uh, more for totally mispronouncing it, but my best friend is a rocket scientist, and he did the same thing. So I will let it slide. But it's pronounced as if it were the word oxygen with an F in front of it. Foxygen. Foxygen. I still am probably pronouncing it wrong, and I'm sorry, but they should have had a cooler name like Metallica, and then I would have loved them. Also, I wanted to take a moment to note that the Nerdist podcast has recently yielded not only a sweet Joss Whedon interview, but an even awesomer interview with George R.R. R. Martin himself at Comic-Con 2013. The man looks and sounds like Santa. It's almost impossible connect to connect that this kindly old man has aesthetically rendered some of the most heinous and disturbing prose I have ever read. Yeah. But on this episode of The Nerdist... George R.R. spends the first hour reminiscing about how he used to organize comic book conventions in the 70s. Then he goes on to describe how he used to be the DM for a D&D-like game called Super World, which led to his wildcard series. Mm. The players were all either at this time super young genre novelists or sci-fi TV writers from Trek and the Twilight Zone, and so on. Holy awesomeness. He then includes a link. We can maybe throw okay. that up on uh, uh, the Facebook page. Or in the show notes. Um, I don't know. It seems like a lot of work for me to go <laughs> twice. Um, now, I know everyone has been waiting for me to cover Michael Taylor's Voyager episode, The Fight, but I'm going to wait till next week. Since we get another one of his BSG episodes, taking a break from all your worries. Quote, to marriage, it's why we build bars, close quote. <laughs> but for this week's uh, nook, I offer a little original poetry. This haiku, titled Love Hurts, by Ambassador Brainy Smurf, goes, ouch. Uh, that's it. Thank you very much, Brainy. Uh, I'm super glad that uh, we were able to get this uh, covered in, too. Is, is he implying that he is no longer with his significant other? 
Uh, no, he was quoting there oh. when he said, "To marriage, it's no, why no. we build bars." The the haiku. Um, I I don't know. Maybe love hurts. Ouch. Yeah, it could be. He I, could be alone. I, I think Yankees. Uh, but we've managed to get a couple of pictures of this cute girl. We're going to exploit her unmercilessly. <laughs> Mercilessly. Immercilessly. <laughs> Without mercy. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to episodes, we are going to cover episodes 11 and 12 of Battlestar Galactica Season 3. We'll start with episode 11, The Eye of Jupiter. We find out that the Cylons somehow got their hands on a child's crib. What? <laughs> we see Hera. <laughs> She's in a crib. I'm like, where did they get a crib? They don't raise babies. Yeah, because they couldn't possibly fashion that together. It was like pre. It was prefab. Well, so they 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 imagined. <laughs> <laughs> they projected the existence of a crib and the child is really just laying there on the floor <laughs> uh, the child is because it's part silent it can also project pretty well it picks that up and it's half um uh yeah i don't know i i just look past that it's it's a crib whatever where where do they get the bed <laughs> well that's where, part do of the they, crib. where do they get the couches Oh, you're talking about the the bed for the see. I I believe that they have adult furniture laying around. It was the 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 child furniture that I found implausible. Mm. Um, I have to start this out by saying we're down on the planet and it's panning around, looking at all of the the people doing the work. And I just noticed that all of those women seemed incredibly. Perky. <laughs> it's cold. Uh, no, it is not cold. Okay. They are sweating all over the place. Yeah, you're right. That's true. Yeah. I I just think, okay, you're going to cast these extras. These people who are just, they're there, they're crowd fillers. Do you really have to go and pick out all of the ones? <laughs> like, can't you pick out more realistic <laughs> women? It's just... I'm not saying they weren't attractive. I'm just saying that seemed a little on the ridiculous side. Okay. Uh, so they're they're down on the planet. They're they're harvesting the algae. It's rough, tough work. It's not pleasant. Terrell keeps getting distracted by like I don't know if he's hearing something or fake remembering something. <laughs> but uh, so this is my first speculation. Tyrrell is a Cylon. Okay, you mentioned that to me like last week where you were like, I think Tyrrell and possibly Callie yeah. are Cylons. So here here that's my my reason for Tyrrell thinking Tyrrell's a Cylon is his behavior here in this episode mm-hmm. seemed like something that maybe a Cylon with some programming would do, some a sleeper Cylon. Uh my speculation on why Callie is a Cylon is because the show has given us no reason to believe there's anything special about Tyrrell and Callie's baby. Where if Tyrrell is Cylon and Callie is not, then this would be a half breed just like Hera. Uh-huh. And you know, everyone would be like, oh it's oh it's ooh. Okay. Okay. We, we have no reason to believe so so what we have here is the first Cylon on Cylon physical reproduction. 
Okay. Okay. Now I uh, th- we're jumping into this a little early, but I we're, since we're here, we might as well talk about it. Um, I'm not trying to convince you one way or okay. the other. I'm just going to present some additional information, not additional, but maybe point out some things. One of the cool things about this episode with Tyrrell and and the next one as well is his connection specifically to this temple yes. from his father. From what he believes to be his father. <laughs> okay. It's a sleeper memory. The, it's the temple of the five. I mean, come on. It's the f- temple of the final five. Even I got that as a watcher. <laughs> it, the, it's, there's no coincidence here. The, the final five of the Cylons and the temple of the five are inextricably connected. Okay. I, I, I'm not going to discount that okay. because we clearly see that in the next episode. Yeah. Um, but as far as Tyrrell goes, there does seem to be, you know, he's like, oh my gosh, yeah, I've totally seen all of this before. Like I, I snuck into my father's study and I looked at all of this stuff. Um, I, I used to break into my mother's prayer room and dance around naked with porno <laughs> mags all over me. <laughs> that was a pretty funny conversation. My wife was disgusted. She said, <laughs> <laughs> she said <laughs> it's so funny to Yeah. Anyway, I think there is plausible but I, I totally see I won't where, deny, where I won't, you go. I with won't that. deny that there is another possible explanation yeah. here. Okay, so let's get back to the the main telling of this. There, there's a great quote here as they're collecting the algae. Uh, I think it was Anders who's like, "Yeah, it stinks like like excrement, and it tastes like it too." And I think it was Terrell who responded, "Well, it's breakfast, lunch, and dinner until someone finds the hot fudge planet." <laughs> <laughs> So we next have Starbucks showing up, and Lee goes to meet her. Yeah. And they kiss, which, ew, gross. Yeah. And they have one of the weirder conversations. (laughs) Marriage is a sacrament because Lee, you know, he doesn't really want to break this this vow, and or he he wants to to get with, with Starbucks. He says, hey, let's get a divorce. And Starbucks says, no, 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 no. Yeah. Marriage is a sacrament. That is holy. You you cannot break yeah. that. Yeah. And Lee's response is, well, <laughs> what are we doing? Infidelity is okay? We can break that and, one? And yeah, her, her response is that, that uh, how did she put it? She D- says divorce, divorce is, is different. Divorce is a sin at one point, and she says adultery is just bending the rules. <laughs> um, a bizarre, messed up sense of propriety and morality. Anybody who is listening to this now should know, don't listen to anything Starbucks says. <laughs> the philosophy of Starbucks is terrible. Don't base any religions on this, anybody. Um, so, we break away. And we see Gaius on board the ship. Yeah. And at first, I can't really tell, is he dreaming? <laughs> That's kind this? of surreal. Dreamscape yeah, it's, it's, it's too, you know, fuzzy halo effect yeah. on everything. I, and so I want to think that this is kind of a dream. I don't think it's a dream. I think it's 
Gaius losing connection with reality at this point. Hmm. He is starting to believe that he's a Cylon. And he's coming a little un, unhinged. <laughs> I don't buy it. I, there's none, You don't think he's part of the final five? We could five. get to the last episode of the last season of this show and have them telling us for from this episode until then that Gaius is a Cylon, and I will refuse to believe it. Okay. I just don't buy it. All right. All right. Uh, let's see. Oh, Tyrrell now goes on his walkabout. Yep. And uh, he finds a temple yeah. that they say, boy, this is about 4,000 years old. This has been around a long time. That carbon dating result came back really fast, by the way. <laughs> well, they are flying around the uh, the universe, so maybe it's you know they're they're pretty good at this <laughs> stuff now. Um, it and the temple itself seems like it's in incredible shape and very clean. Yeah, even for what the for being no four thousand years old and, and having that opening right out into the <laughs> yeah. So let, let's all look past that, but yeah, we notice. Well, the other thing, though, is that there apparently is no weather on this planet at all. <laughs> There's nothing but blue skies the whole time they're there until the until the Nova happens. Um. So now the Cylons show up. Yeah, and I thought that they were, I, I honestly believe, in fact, I, I made a note of it, and it turns out I was wrong, so I feel like I should still point it out. I was wrong. I immediately jumped to the conclusion they're here because they want help saving Hera's life. They're here to look for Doc Cottle. Oh, sure. I thought they were going to offer a prisoner exchange, Gaius for Cottle. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you give up your best doctor yeah, to no, only I, get this terrible? Not, not saying the Cylons would have been well, making a good move there. Wasn't a good deal, but still, a deal. I mean, it's, it's an option. Um. So Gaius is the one who makes contact. Yeah. And they're like, whoa, this, uh, this, this is not going to go well. <laughs> um, let's see here. So they, they come Cylons on. come aboard. Yes. And it's at this point that I'm thinking, okay, you know, we, we used to see Battlestar Galactica. Kind, there were always kind of people milling about in the hallways. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've lost about 10,000 people since the show started. Not quite, but you know we're getting close around to, there. Yeah, the the halls of Battlestar Galactica generally seem a lot more empty, but they are littered with clutter. I don't know if you noticed this. There's just there's just stuff laying yep. around everywhere. I thought that was odd. I, it just seemed unusual. I think we've been seeing that for a while, though. But it's only been since we've been not seeing the people milling around. I mean, obviously, when the people were milling around, the the hallways were clearer, so that enough people could like move up and down the hallway. I don't know. It's not something I think I've ever noticed. Okay, or clued in on. So, um, Gaius is thinking he's one of the final five. And we have this cre- – oh, I just wanted to punch him so hard in the face when Cavill says, yeah, we come in peace. <laughs> As he's talking to, to them, uh, Rosalind gets super incensed that Gaius is trying to talk to her, doesn't even acknowledge his existence, and says, you know what? This is going to go better if he doesn't talk. And then he keeps talking. She's like, you know what? I'm done. Yeah. I'll let you handle this. And we get Mr. Stoneface – um, who who comes through? I actually should mention the gall of Gaius from his point of view thinks yes. he has saved humanity. 
I did you guys a favor. I can't believe you were treating me this way. I saved you guys when the Cylons came. I, you would have been dead without me. I, I really like that Cavill offered Gaius as a prize. He's like, yeah, we'll bring you him. <laughs> you can see the bottom drop out of Gaius when that happens. What? <laughs> uh i i got a chuckle out of that as well uh i loved the absolute best poker face that uh adama gives here um the the actor uh almost it is amazing at just being dead face yeah and not giving anything away and you know what you can't intimidate me i don't care what you say here's our um uh, here's here's what we propose, and this is the way this is going to be. You aren't going anywhere near that planet. If you do, we'll I'm going to nuke it yep. with everything I've got. Uh, and it holds them at bay for a time. During this, uh, by the way, they both want the Eye of Jupiter. They talk about the Eye of Jupiter. Hey, we want this, this thing that's down there. Um, so that's what they're after. Athena finds out the truth. Because Facehole is says to her, "Hey, you know, your baby's still alive. Yeah, it's on board our ship." And she didn't go quite as crazy as I expected her to. Pretty I, angry. I expected a lot more. In fact, I expected her to immediately go back with the Cylons. You okay? Okay. I, I thought that would be it. She would lose all faith and and hope in humanity, and become. The worst of the worst Cylons become worse I, than Cavill. I definitely expect a little more anger as well. I I, I really did. Uh, let's see here. Oh, let's see. Andy uh, Anders gets uppity yeah. uh, about guard duty. Like he n- understands the situation they're in, and all of a sudden he's like, "No, I don't want to help out. <laughs> I don't do anything." Well, I I wonder if Anders is seeing. What's going on here? Because what what we have yeah, happening yeah. here is Kara and Sam trying to pull a King David. <laughs> um, you mean Starbuck and Lee? Yeah. Oh, did I say Sam? I, I yeah. Meant, I, I meant Lee. Kara and Lee trying to pull a King David. So, you know, send send Sam out to the front lines, get him killed. <laughs> That'll solve all our problems. <laughs> that would be great. That that would have been a really awesome, like biblical uh, thing to tie in there. That would have been really, really cool. I wish that they would have played that up a little bit more. Yeah, because I mean, they weren't trying to say, "Hey, you're going to be put in the worst part." They were just saying, "Look, we need you to take control of the civilians. You know how to do this." And he just like, no, no I, 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 I really, this? I got a very strong read from Kara <clears throat> that that was. Why she was pushing Lee to choose Anders. But what other choice did they have, though? Well, I understand your point, but... The the civilians are just going to sit there? You you can see Lee going, really? You want me to choose him? Are you sure about this? And she's like, yeah. Yeah, and I'm like, oh, she's so hoping he dies in this. Uh, Back aboard the ship, (laughs) we have um, the... uh, the news is given that the star is likely to go supernova. Yeah. At any time. We'll have about an hour to get off the planet when that happens. <laughs> Which means the star is going to go supernova and they're not going to have much time to get off of the planet. Yeah. So we've set the stage for the next episode. 
<laughs> Actually, I thought when they said that, I was like, oh, is that how they're going to end the episode is the Nova happens and <laughs> cut to black? <laughs> um, Instead, they picked a more, even more dramatic way to end the episode. Yeah. So Cylons discuss uh, the options, but they uh, Xena, they've already got a plan in place. And they when they jumped in, they already sent down a ship. And so there are the toasters already down there on the planet. Right. Uh, let's see here. Starbuck gets shot down. Yeah, so Xena makes her play uh, with Gaius because they are essentially, they're going to head down to the planet. Yeah. During this time, they're all getting set. Raptor is shot down with Starbuck in it. Boom. What's going to happen now? They're in a bad position. There's no communication between anybody. Um, Adama faces off with Hilo and Athena. And basically has to say, yep, we did it. Yep. And I, I, I got the, uh, um, the sense, and I, I thought that, you know... What's his bucket? Um, Adama was was a part of this. Yes, that he was. I had the same question. Not like he seemed surprised seems that Rosalind so, it seemed had like done new information this. to him. Yeah, yeah. And I thought he was involved in it. So I, I really did, but maybe he wasn't. And this was just something that the president and Doc Cottle did. Yeah. Which, well done to them. You <laughs> fooled everyone, including the people watching the show who get to see every part of it. Yeah. You know, it was, he was mad at her for doing this. And he's like, you know what? I don't want to deal with you right now and walks <laughs> away. And he uh, has to deal with the fact that these parents really actually didn't lose a child. And it, the emotions that would have to come out there, I, 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 I never want to deal with <laughs> ever, ever, ever. Amen. Okay, so the uh, the standoff happens. Uh, nuclear missiles come out, and Anders is placed under arrest. They pull a gun on him, and he's like, "No, you will help us out." I thought it was a stupid way to, <laughs> yeah. to kind of end that, uh, but the re- everything else was, was really was pretty good. I, I, I liked the, this little piece of dialogue between Rosalind and uh, Bill, where Rosalind says, "Unfortunately, we're bluffing," referring to you know, Adama preparing to nuke the surface and he turns like and he says, Are we? And I don't think he was. I think he had every intention of launching those nukes. Yeah, I, I never get a question out of that. Like he's not questioning Rosalind. I, I, he he is that's his plan. Right. He no, is I'm, gonna I'm saying, nuke he's, this. He's he's asking her, like, did you honestly think I was bluffing about this? Cause he's dead serious. He's gonna blow this thing sky high. Uh, anything from listener Mark? Uh, no, no, um, no comments as far as uh, the the episodes are concerned. Let me just check real quick. Let let me see if maybe uh, Brainy sent something in. No, nothing okay. from Brainy. So it's just us tonight. Just folks. us. <laughs> been, has not been we'll this do way it live. for a long time. <laughs> So, Pete, do you want to give us your uh, sci-fi rating? 
You know, I wrote a seven here, but I'm starting to think, is it more? You know, I, I'm going to stick with a seven. It is really pretty solid. I mean, we're down there on the planet. We see the introduction of this temple, albeit incredibly convenient that it's all well tidy. Um, you know, m- maybe the 13th colony actually left a, a Roomba, you know, that's going around <laughs> cleaning everything. I, I didn't think about that. There's plenty of technology. Why couldn't they do that? Well, because they wouldn't have used smart robots. <laughs> Um. Anyway, <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna go with the seven. Okay, I only gave it a six. I, I think they set up some good sci-fi stuff, but I don't think it pays off in this episode. Television. I'm gonna go ahead. I written a seven. I'm gonna drop a six. I'm still kind of annoyed at the whole Anders uh, uh, stuff. So, but I, I still really enjoyed the episode. Really did like it. I'm also going to give it a six. It's just, just you know, a little bit better than standard fare. It was well written, well acted, but nothing really incredibly earth shattering happens in this episode. Moving on to our next episode, Rapture. Admiral Adama chickens out. Thankfully, the universe does not. <laughs> <laughs> oh my I got, gosh! I got to see something blow up. <laughs> <laughs> and it's always a good show if something That's blows right. up. That's, That's right. how you tell. Um. So the standoff continues. So their their procedure for and, using well, nuclear weapons? Yeah, I was just going to say, thank goodness it takes five minutes in order to launch these things. Heaven forbid you ever actually have to use those in combat. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, I want to believe. A part of me wants to believe all right, they were just dragging their feet. They were giving them every chance possible to have the ships turn around. Well, then it's a good thing that they have uh, gated the Cylon on the bridge to to warn the Cylons to turn around because Adama's not bluffing. Gate of the Cylon. So there's three for those who are keeping track at home. Interesting. Uh, Oh, yeah. I just realized we're not going to have Brainy's uh, uh, final final five. five. The the final five this week is me guessing who the final (laughs) five are. (laughs) Uh, Okay. So one of the more intense moments... I did not see this coming. I did not see this coming the first time. I did not see this coming the second time, even though I already knew it was going to happen. Hilo is having a conversation <laughs> with his wife, Athena. And I assume that they're talking about this plan to get back aboard where they fly <laughs> over. And they, well, they're never going to be able to get out of the, the, the bay to do that. And then all of a sudden, kaboom! Yeah, blood yep. all over. So my note here is: see, I knew that had happened. I was just a few episodes ahead of schedule. <laughs> like I totally thought of that several weeks ago. So, well, yes, you did think of that in the context of the virus. Yes, yeah, uh, um, uh, but I mean, like, I thought of it back then as you know, this is a perfect way for whatever reason. How, as a writer, I would get. Athena back on in the Cylon fleet. It is just crazy <laughs> that he shoots her. What, what's and even crazier to me is that I didn't even what I didn't think through because I didn't think it was going to happen on board the Galactica. So I didn't think through. Oh, there's going to be an investigation into this, and everyone's going to know exactly what he was doing. It's going to be completely transparent that yeah, you were just sending your wife back to the Cylons with all the information she has, all you know. Security codes or whatever. You you just sent her back there. You... They don't seem to bat an eye 
really about it. He doesn't get in that much trouble. There is no accusation at all that he is collaborating with the Cylons. They just automatically think this was about you getting your baby back, but what in the world were you thinking yeah. you put us in a terrible position? I think Rosalind is the ballsiest of them. She is up in Hilo's face, and Hilo starts to come at her. Yeah. And Adama reaches Rightly his so. hand over her and stops him from going too far <laughs> and getting too close. Um, wow. It's intense. Scene. Intense. Um, Athena is reborn. You, you skipped over, actually, one scene that I just wanted to cover really briefly, which is when Lee orders his wife to go risk her life to save Starbuck. That happens during the, like, we're intercutting that and the launch, launching of the nukes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, I just didn't care that much. Okay. I, I thought that was a, a powerful scene between those two characters. I enjoyed that. Okay. Athena is reborn. And she's there on on the Cylon sh- uh, uh, resurrection ship, um, and then eventually she's, I guess, going to get over to where they're keeping her her daughter. Yeah. So um, Fisher dies, and D runs away. The Cylons snipe, yeah, and and kill him. And D does something dumb. She like. She leaves her post because she's under fire, but she does not take the weapon with her. <laughs> okay, people, I understand you're under fire. You're gonna do. You're not gonna think everything through, but always grab the weapon. She went up for it, and like they shot at. They were like basically doing. Her press hand and fire. was right there. Okay, grab the extra the <laughs> weapon. Always grab the extra weapon, and always check your magazine to make sure it's got plenty of bullets in it. Uh, I, I don't. Re- I didn't write down what was going on uh, at the time, but I do have a quote here. That is not a good sign, which I followed with. I don't like it when this show has me agreeing with Cavill. <laughs> so wow. I don't remember why Cavill said that. Uh, I think it might have been when the the one Deanna wouldn't turn back. Even though they all, everyone else agreed, we all agree. Oh, oh, oh we all yeah, agree. yeah, we all yeah. Agree. And she keeps going, and he's like, "That's not a good sign." I'm like, "I don't want to agree with Cavill. Why are they making me agree with Cavill?" Yeah, he's that's right. right. Because they're basically saying she's not a part of the group anymore. Yeah. She's acting completely independent and is not sticking with the the ordered structure that's that we have. Suicide junkie. <laughs> uh, let's see here. Gaius comforts Zena. I don't remember why, but he does. I just don't remember why. Uh, then we have to talk about guerrilla warfare. They make a big deal about, oh, yeah, we're going to do this guerrilla warfare style. And really, I don't see much guerrilla warfare there. <laughs> it seems like they were just setting a trap. I don't think well, that's guerrilla war- warfare. You know why they made a big deal about it, right? Yeah, to kind of massage his ego. Yes, Anders' ego. Yeah, yeah. totally get that. Okay. But it's still stupid. Yeah, I agree. Um, So... We, you know, in the Hilo and Adama and President Rosalind conversation, Hilo tells us she can decide to keep back information. Mm-hmm. So this is something that I have been thinking was just a plot hole for several episodes now on why didn't the other Cylons know what Deanna was doing? Why didn't they know she had become this suicide junkie? 
and I, I don't know if that was actually if this is them if this was a, a feature planned in Cylon Kind all along, or if they realized they had this plot hole and they decided to use it and call it out and just say, you know what? There's a reason for it. I like the idea that the Cylons, although they may act as one, really have free will. Yeah. And that's going to throw... It's starting to throw a monkey wrench into their plans. Yes. They're not a unified, cohesive group anymore. I I also really enjoyed that it was Caprica 6 who met Athena when she woke up. And Hmm. she's in the resurrection pod. Okay. Do those have a name? What's that? The resurrection pods? Okay. I don't think so. I don't know if maybe I'd missed the name somewhere in the episode. Resurrection pods are completely viable word to use. Okay. It's perfectly cromulent. <laughs> uh, so, D reaches Starbuck and begins to help her, mm-hmm. make her better. Apparently, she has she burned her hands. Yes. Severely. Pretty badly. Uh, to the point that, uh, you know, she's, she's not going to be able to fly the ship later on. Uh, let's see here. Athena comforts her baby. Yeah. And Boomer is terrible. Yeah. Just shows no emotion whatsoever for this. It's like this thing. Yeah. I don't know what it it just it cries all the time. It's terrible. Yeah, I I can't respect any any representation of Boomer anymore at this point. Yeah. Okay. Uh let's see here. Oh I, I'm pretending that head six doesn't exist for the rest of the series. Head six doesn't exist. I'm, Why? I'm just, I'm just gonna because I can't make it fit with anything. <laughs> it makes no sense what she's doing. I, I cannot make her fit with any. I cannot come up with any plausible plot line that makes the head six thing make sense. And so I'm just gonna ignore it. I'm gonna pretend it's not happening. <laughs> la 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 la. <laughs> <laughs> is there something that she said that is particularly? She confusing? told Gaius he was the chosen one. Hmm. Okay. I so, remember that scene. So the Cylons aren't ever going to follow Gaius. They have nothing but disdain for him. Yeah, because he's, he's remembering what the the hybrid had said, that the final five will be shown to the chosen one. Right. And so... Yeah, so, so she... <laughs> what, did you just have an apostrophe? I did have an apostrophe. I was thinking, okay, so who was it that came into the Temple of Five and found Gaius there because he was told the final five would appear to him. If those, if there was five people there, there's your final five right there. I don't know. And Galli and, and Tyrrell were both in it. Cali and Tyrrell? Uh, Tyrrell was there for sure. I don't, think the, I don't think the scene shows us any other people. I don't remember. Yeah, it, it it goes around and it shows other people coming into the like into the temple. Well, then that's got to be way more than five. Yeah, but I'm saying you know if there are five that were semi main characters. <laughs> anyway, um, I I was going somewhere with that though. Oh, with the head six, he doesn't he doesn't get a vision. He doesn't get any vision of anything, and so look, he he can't be here to save humanity. He can't be here to save the Cylons. He's not the chosen one of either of those two groups. Apparently, the only thing he's the chosen one for is the Gaius Baltar faction. (laughs) Hasn't he been helping the humans, though, Joey? No. Hasn't he? No. 
He kept them alive on New Caprica. No. It was a terrible existence, but still, they were alive. <laughs> Didn't he, Isn't all of his research the I, thing I that's led them this any, far? I don't think any of the keeping alive of humans on New Caprica had anything to do with Gaius Baltar. Well, they're, they're where they're at because of Gaius Baltar. Isn't he been helping them all along? No. I'm not buying it. You can try all you want. So Starbucks says he won't cheat to Yeah, to D. Yeah. And basically saying, you know, I he's 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 yours. He's not mine. I can't get him. Um and I I don't know why she says anything at all. Because she's hopped up on the pain medications. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> Perfectly reasonable. <laughs> Perfectly reasonable. I just assume she's a terrible person. Uh, and and she just doesn't need to say anything. She yeah. just needs to stop being a Starbuck and get away from Lee. Yeah. Well, you know, I she she has been ever since season three started, she's kind of been a little bit like uh what's the phrase that they use for the Joker in the dark? Oh yeah, some men just like to watch the world burn. Uh-huh. That's kind of been Starbuck for the past half a season. Agreed. Okay, so uh, let's see here. Xena reaches the temple. And that is when, uh, let's see, somebody says the Nova is the eye of Jupiter. Oh, I think it's Tyrrell. When he looks up in the sky and he can see it and he's like, oh, oh, wait, the Nova is the eye of Jupiter. That's what this is all about. So a couple a couple other things. Um I I I should have made better notes. I put well she's not dead yet, but good grief that's gotta hurt. So Oh, oh it was Starbuck. Uh, I don't know if you remember, Pete, but I asked you last week, is Starbuck dead? Mm-hmm. And you said she might be, I can't remember. And so we see Starbuck and she's got her hands all crisped. And I'm like, Well, she's not dead yet, but good grief that's gotta hurt. Uh, I don't I don't mind her pain. Yeah, I don't. I'm just saying, you know, her her hands were like black in spots. That that's uncomfortable to watch. Uh when Dwala gets there and she gives uh Starbuck her first dosage of the medication, there's this thing that TV has created that I wish would stop, which is when I have a hypodermic needle, the only possible option for removing the plastic cap is to bite it off and then <laughs> spit the plastic cap out on the ground. It's like in every show, it's the only way they open hypodermic needles on TV and movies. I think you might be embellishing <laughs> that a little bit. I find it super annoying. And I, there's just never a reason. Like, if you had both of your hands down in someone's chest pumping their heart or something, maybe it makes sense. There's well, no. Well, then are you using your third hand to hold the hypodermic <laughs> needle? I don't know. I'm just saying. I hate it. I wish it would stop in the shows. I want so bad to open up a hypodermic needle right now with my teeth. <laughs> just to uh, just to make you uncomfortable. Okay. Uh, I, I like uh, there's a little conversation between Six and the two Sharons uh, when when they're there with, Hira, with Hera. Um, when Hera not- recognizes Athena. And Six is like, Oh, that's amazing. She knows her mother. You two are biologically... Uh, uh, oh. <laughs> Awkward. <laughs> it's a, a, like a great 
dawning of, oh, yeah, I'm being really insensitive to you right now, aren't I? Hmm. I, I enjoyed that little, uh, little comedy routine that was going on there. Uh, we have Caprica 6 committing the second instance that we know of of Cylon uh, on Cylon you've murder. You've just jumped ahead here because Cavill tries to stop Xena. Where she uh, is... I've got that way down lower. Interesting. Okay. Mm-mm. So, uh, well, maybe. I, I, my yeah. notes are probably... Uh, uh, she shoots him. But Boomer die. Uh, no, Boomer doesn't die. She just gets knocked out. Yeah. Cavill is there and wants to stop Xena from stepping into the eye. And Gaius steps up and shoots him dead. This then allows Xena to step in there and she sees this vision. Yep. She stands in this place that seems to fry her circuitry. Yes, somehow. I don't know. It, it seems as though maybe... The 13th colony of people had set this thing up so that it's capturing all of these rays and shooting down on her. some kind of electromagnetic thing going on there. Who knows? I I don't know. But during this escapade, she is able to see the final five. Yes. And I am glad it doesn't have us take a a round to each individual one, but you know, they just she gets to come face to face with one of them. She's like, I had no idea. And she then dies. I'm so sorry. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I must have missed that. Okay, so that made me go through in my mind okay, who is the person that the Cylons have caused more distress to? Gaius Baltar. Than They've been else so the mean to him on on that ship. <laughs> uh, I went with Ty. Oh, interesting. I I think she is facing Colonel Ty. Oh, that's a good. Oh, that's I cannot shout that down at all because you're totally right. I mean, that's messed up. Yeah. to take someone's eye out. <laughs> um. Yeah, okay. I well, can, and to I can turn his wife that. against him the way they did and things like that, I, I just, I, that, you know, I, was, I just, I paused it and I sat there and thought, okay, well, who, like, I, I made a list in my head. My wife's getting frustrated with me because I paused this episode <laughs> like five times. I'm making a list in my head. Okay, who are the potential? And she's like, what are you doing? I'm like, just shush for a second. <laughs> go, go. I went through and I kind of eliminated possibility. And the, the last one I was left with was Colonel Ty. Okay. Okay. Uh, let's see here. She dies. Um, it's weird. I mean, she gets this bloody nose and, you know. Her eyes fog over. <laughs> yeah. That was kind of cool. That was pretty intense. And then Gaius is like, what? I'm the chosen one. And he steps into his like, please come talk to me. <laughs> Am I a Cylon? Uh, and then we have Tyrrell say, welcome home, Mr. President. <laughs> With a gun up against his head. Yep. Bashes him unconscious. And then the planet explodes. The happy couple uh, reunite. Um, This is uh, Hera's back aboard. Um, Oh, sorry. The the happy couples are Anders and Starbuck, (laughs) Lee and Duala. They come back together and hug their respective uh, spouses. 
Spices. I don't remember the Spice? plural of that. <laughs> Spice. <laughs> um, and so it looks like things are going to heal up a little bit. Things are going to be on the mend. Except for they're looking at each other during the hug. Oh, yeah. Lee and Starbuck. I want to believe that it's them saying... Goodbye. This is, this is Yeah, we're finally done. Um, Let's see. Okay, Hera is back. And Caprica 6 is taken captive. Yeah. So she willingly comes back aboard because she knows, okay, I can't stay aboard the Cylon ship anymore because I just helped this baby get away. Yep. But I think, you know, she recognizes that they needed this doctor to come and take care of this baby that they couldn't have done it aboard their own ship. I don't understand why. It seems like they would have... They don't know anything about infant humans. Yeah. They're smaller, regular humans. There's There are different medical procedures you use on an infant than on an adult. Yeah, but they can still know if, if a baby's all blocked up. <laughs> well, apparently Boomer's the only one that ever touched the thing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so there is apparently this other nova, the Ionian Nebula, that uh, might have been what the original people who set this up 4,000 years ago were talking about and intending as the Eye of Jupiter. And so they're they're now going to make their way over there. What's interesting is Starbucks paintings <laughs> match the temple. And there's a callback to how it's part of her destiny. Yeah. And so when Starbucks says, it's just something I heard once or my mom used to tell me, I think she says, I have a destiny. And Well, it was a Leoban. Leoban told oh, her that. Okay. Anyway, and then you like the the Deanna sits up in the resurrection pod. <gasps> and like just for just a split second before the the frame resolved itself and I could tell it was Deanna, I thought, oh no, that's gonna be Starbuck. <laughs> <laughs> like just, just a split second they had me questioning. Oh great, is Starbuck one of the final five? <laughs> So I love that there is this connection. And they had this set up clear back when they were on New Caprica. Yeah. yeah. And that is just or no 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 no. So not New Caprica back when they were on the Caprica. Yeah. Regular Caprica. Yes. In her old apartment. And that is just way cool to finally see a payoff of that. Way cool for me. Um so all of the Xena uh Xenalons are going to be boxed. They should box the boomers while they're at it. Yeah, I could. I can see your reasoning behind that. But the boomers have not, aside from Athena, have not gone against the the rest of the body of the Cylons. Well, except for that the one boomer wants Hera to die, and obviously that's something ah, that the rest of the Cylons She just doesn't care. Don't. There's no connection for her. Okay. But what the Xenas did, they all were like, you know what? Nope, screw it. We're we're going to do what we rough. want to do. And so she f- sees the final five, comes back, and Cavill says, yeah, you know what? Oh, I think we're just going to go ahead and put you away now. <laughs> and I think that that is so messed up because now we have someone who knows who the final five are. But we're not going to get to know. Yeah. She's not going to get to speak. Um, so I'm not so sure that Boomer isn't dead. You said she's not. But I got the strong impression that she was killed there. 
Either way, she comes back to life. Yeah. I'm just saying it's awesome that Caprica 6 commits Cylon and Cylon murder twice. <laughs> uh, there, there's a great, one. Of, I think probably one of my favorite things ever in an action sequence happens in this episode where uh, Lee pulls the pin from a grenade Throws oh. it to Anders. They're playing hot potato yeah, with a shouts, live grenade. It's hot. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. I laughed and laughed okay. and laughed. What's the point of tossing it an additional five feet to another guy? <laughs> Can you just not toss it to the right location? Really? It was great. I loved it. <laughs> I enjoyed that scene so much. And the fact that you're annoyed by it makes me enjoy it even more. That's <laughs> oh, great. Um, the, the, another note that I had was, uh, did the base stars jump themselves, or the, the hybrids jump the base stars out of self-preservation? Because we're never given any indication that the Cylons know that this star is about to go supernova. And then all of a sudden, just the base stars, whoop, they're gone. Oh, yeah, because they didn't want to be here for the Nova, one of the humans says. Yeah, but they don't go Nova until – they don't leave until the star goes Nova. I know. I'm saying did the did the high – it just occurred to me. There's, there's nothing in the episode to support this. It's just a fun little piece of speculation that I did as I watched the episode. Was It would be kind of interesting if when that sun went Nova or that star went Nova, the the hybrids detected it and just – Jumped out without stopping and waiting to ask. You know, they didn't inform the council. They didn't ask anybody's permission. They just said, "Nope, mm. I'm a living, thinking thing, and I don't want to be here when those when that radiation gets here. I'm gone." Ah, uh, completely possible. As far as I'm concerned, I don't see any reason yeah. why I, they I, they seem like they have control. Yes. Um, even though they take directions from the group of Cylons that are aboard their ship. So, I, yeah, I'm okay with that happening. Okay. I do have an email. Oh, great. Brainy sent one in oh, fantastic. just moments ago. Now, he's got his, um, uh, uh, he's got the Brainy's Neck of Darkness here at the beginning. Okay. Should I just read the whole thing straight here? You know, you know what? Let's do this. We will. We're going we're we're gonna to cut gonna, it in. We're going to finish and I'll, I'll cut it back into the beginning. Yeah. Okay, that's fine. But we'll fine. leave this conversation so that people know we did that. Yeah, okay. I'm good with that. Now, he also had um, uh, comments for Eye of Jupiter. Okay. Should we just cover both of those right now? Yeah, let's do both the episodes right now. <clears throat> okay. This is Brainy's email. Um, by the way, I have not proofread this <laughs> at all, so I may stop awkwardly. Listening to Ron Moore's podcast commentary for these episodes really provide a wealth of insight into what he is ultimately reaching for with the series as a whole. The recordings were done right after the episodes originally aired, with part one serving as the winter break cliffhanger. To hear the perspective in real time as the series was being forged is a quality that is completely unique to BSG. Ron Moore also explains how they just couldn't shave down this two-parter to a satisfactory level. The, the fleet was originally doing X-ray reconnaissance on the Temple planet to discover a humongous ancient underground city. Wow. Budget got in the way. 
But ultimately, uh, it would have been cool, though. I almost like the element of Chief wandering around to find the temple. But ultimately, I find that thread a little shallow. Although, I love the lines about defying his dad by dancing around naked, wielding porn mags. (laughs) I can picture Chief doing that. Ron Moore was using Chief's story to legitimize religion in this world. Sigh. The Quartet. Lee, D, Sammy, and Starbuck, the Broken, and the Broken S. Starbuck, the Broken SM Ghost. <laughs> Enough with Lee and Starbuck. Talk about unfinished business. Ugh. I hate that Lee would decide to be so disloyal to D. I don't believe that is consistent with his character. Ron Moore says. Never underestimate the depth of how people are willing to rationalize things. Good good line. I just wished the old man would have done a callback to the boxing episode and said, Chief, get your fat ass down here and stare at this ambiguous pillar for the next two episodes. <laughs> Sci-Fi 7, TV 4, Music 6. Rapture. This podcast commentary was with Moore's wife. Mrs. Ron, she is funny, and the two of them agree with me that the whole standoff with the nukes and the raiders is very contrived and dumb since the Cylon raiders have been pointed out to have jump capabilities. But what are you going to do? It's TV. I really love the ongoing thread that is, you know, actually, that's (laughs) a good point. Just have them jump on the other side of the planet. Because at that point, you don't have line of sight. Yeah. You have no idea what's coming from the other side of the planet. And then at that point, you just fly in wherever you need to. I, I see the point. Continuing. I really love the ongoing thread that is the ballad of Sharon and Hilo. In fact, the only screens I liked had Sharon in them, also including the face hole or on hand hole stare down. <laughs> I think Thompson and Weddle are the weakest writer on the staff. Once in a while, they employ cool tactics, like the bucket drop. But in this episode, they fail to communicate the elaborate, uh, tactical ground stuff. I guess the continuation of the quartet from hell doesn't help either. (laughs) And the chief stuff. He is going to take care of this. No problem, sir. And he just stares at a pillar. And then the Hitchcock-style... Let's hope the phone call resolves the weak plot line thing is lame. Moore goes on, interestingly, to elaborate on how much he hates when a show builds up the intrigue for something that it fails to pay off in a satisfactory way. Hmm. (laughs) And we have Baltar in a body bag. Yay! I forgot to mention that. (laughs) Baltar's back aboard. Sci-Fi 5, TV 3, Music 6. Joey's Final 6. Oh. Number 1. Who was 6 meeting with on Caprica in the pilot? This is way, way, way back. I'm I'm there. I know. Uh, I'm going to say it's the fifth of the final five that I have not yet revealed my pick for. Oh, okay. 
Laura Rosalind. Ooh, interesting. <laughs> We're going to come back to that. <laughs> Two. When Adama learns that Roslyn is a no-good Ben Linus-style baby snatcher, <laughs> Moore originally had him get up and go to the bathroom and shave angrily. As he ignores Roslyn's rationalizations and finishes his, his shave, she says, Bill, what can I do? He says, you can hand me a towel. Would you have liked this scene better than what we got? No. <laughs> Sounds kind of silly. Okay. Number three. Welcome back, Baltar. How will Gaius respond to being back on the bucket? I think he's going to completely lose it at this point. Um, let me ask you this. I don't know. He doesn't ask this. Um, do you think he's going to live or die. I think ultimately he'll live. You think so? Yep. Okay. You need you need that scourge around. <laughs> He's a great foil. Yes. He really is. Number 4. Cylon Death Junkies versus Baby 5 Beloved come by a telepathic extortion cult. Who wins? So Cylon Death Junkies. Yeah, versus the Babylon 5 telepathic cult. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cylons. Okay. Good. Number five. Is the ghost of Starbuck more of a sadist or a masochist? <laughs> sadist. Okay. Number six. Pick a scenario and run with it. Now, let's see. I, I'm going to proof this one. <laughs> <laughs> Um, let's see here. Okay. A. The final five are aware of whom they are, and they are within the fleet and pulling strings this whole time. Okay. Or B. The final five are sleeper agents, but for whom? Okay. So the final five are sleeper agents for neither the Cylons nor the humans. Oh, the third? The third party. Okay. The final five serve the third party. And Rosalind, I think Rosalind actually may even be aware of the fact that she is an agent for the third party. So I'm more and more convinced every episode that there is a third party playing here. Whether that's God or just some alien race, I don't know yet. I don't have enough information to make any kind of speculation there. But the, the final five are... And and part of the reason I picked the five I did is because as I've come to believe very strongly that, that there is a third party acting in this in these episodes, I thought, okay, so they're going to have to have people at positions of responsibility. And there's a reason that Laura Rosalind was not on Caprica that day. It's because they needed her on Battlestar Galactica mm. to survive the strike. Okay. You've got Galen and you've got... Ty and you've got Callie. Callie, not so much. Gata was the other name I was trying okay. to remember. Okay, nope. yeah, let's name the five off here because okay, so I wanted to go back to this. So we just said Rosalind. We've got Tyrrell. Yep. We've got Gata. Yep. We've got Ty. Ty. And we've got Callie. Callie. Yep. So you, if you look at, you know, Rosalind is there as the leader of the civilians. 
you've got three people in the power structure within ba- uh, Battlestar Galactica, which is Gata, Galen Tyrrell, and and right. Ty. Mm-hmm. And then you've in got key positions. Yes, and then you've got one person to kind of represent the enlisted people of Battlestar Galactica and, and the military at large. So you've got enough people there to take over the command structure of both of both groups, the civilians and the you know. Uh, the the military, and then you've got in, just in case there's some kind of uprising. You, not only do you have Callie, who is just kind of a you know g- general feel good kind of person, everyone seems to like her, but she's the one who shot Boomer. That was part. That was a plan. That was not coincidence. Mm-hmm. She shot Boomer okay. because now people look at her as oh you know what when it comes down to fighting the Cylons we can trust Callie. The the common enlisted men of the military look to Callie as kind of someone who represents them. At, you know, the, she's kind of the torchbearer for the enlisted folk. And, and so that's, that's part of what factored into my decision in those five. Okay. And that well, runs with the, <laughs> let's talk about this for a second. Okay. We'll come back to Roslyn. Uh, Callie and chief. Yes. Both Cylons have made a Cylon baby. Or have kidnapped a human baby. Presumably, uh, okay. (laughs) Presumably, though, this happened while they were down on the planet. Yes. So they would have seen her getting larger and larger. Certainly. And let's make an assumption that she had been being seen by Doc Cottle. Okay. So then we have... Potentially now, Cylon on Cylon a, reproduction, a new Cylon, which would make a thirteenth, right? And how many colonies are there? Thirteen. What? What? So, <laughs> just throwing that. I just wanted yep. to walk down a, a logic path there. That doesn't throw any yeah that, that, spanners in your no, in no, your plans. It actually, it, it is a line I already thought through. To me, it reinforced the idea that they're that they are both Cylons. Their baby is this thirteenth model. Because there's 13 colonies, there's 13 models of Cylons, and it just all seems to fit rather nicely together. Okay. Now, um, uh, so that's two down. Let's cover... um, um, Gata? No, not Gata. Let's do Ty, which I feel like you had a pretty good explanation for that. I, I... As far as I'm concerned, I don't. I can't poke any holes in that whatsoever, (laughs) so uh, that, that seems logically like a pretty good guess. Gata. Gata's my weakest one. But there, there's a couple factors that go into my deci- my selection of Gata. The first factor is when Gata was around on New Caprica, and there's a whole bunch of Cylons, there's Gaius Baltar, and there's Gata. And the Cylons seem to have nothing but disdain for Gaius Baltar. But they never really interact with Gata at all, neither negatively or positively. I mean, they acknowledge his presence sometimes, mm-hmm. but they don't really seem to have feelings about him one way or the other. Right. I, I would agree with that because we're, we're never shown anything. Right. And, and so that like went into the back of my mind as, oh, that's interesting. On top of that, now, again, this is, this is very weak reasoning. I'm, I'm granting that. Uh, I've overheard you talking with your friend John Madsen, mm-hmm. father of the podcast, about how upset you are at what they do to the character of Gata over the course of the show. That also factors okay. into this. And then the, the last 
thing that okay. this episode, this this pair of episodes, it looked to me like Gata was doing something while the whole standoff is going on. It looks like he, I, I believe he was sending messages to the other fleet saying, you know what? Adama's not bluffing here. He's very serious about this. Please take those ships back or they're they're going to nuke the Eye of Jupiter. Hmm. Again, this is my weakest okay. out of all my reasonings, but that's that's the factors that have gone into that selection. Again, logic there is pretty solid. I think I probably could poke holes in a few different areas, but I'm not going to bother. Rosalyn. Okay. <laughs> this is a real surprise to me because before... Yeah, you were like pretty solid. Rosalind's not a Cylon, so and, what, what's turned you? Well, and and my my strongest evidence before was her cancer, right? Because we have no evidence whatsoever. In fact, we have plenty of evidence suggesting Cylons don't believe they do get sick at all, ever under any circumstances. But there's been no evidence to suggest it beyond that, that one particular that, disease. Yes. So there there was that disease which broke that barrier down initially, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, Cylons can get sick. And then the Cylon human hybrid, the Humanolon, if you will, is sick. And so my my ability to to accept that a Cylon can get cancer opened up and I thought, you know what? If there were a third party playing here, if there were a third party interacting here, wouldn't it make sense for them to want to have the president of you know of the colonies? Because my my assumption on this third party is that for some reason they want the Cylons and the humans to just get along. <laughs> and if you look at how Rosalind has acted, especially with Hera. Not it's not been, oh, I'm gonna do this for the preservation of humanity. It's not been, oh, I'm gonna do this, you know. I, I, she's obviously not doing it to benefit the Cylons. I don't feel she's doing it to benefit humanity. I feel that she's doing it because the third party needs that hybrid to work. They need it to live and to grow and to be healthy. And to show humanity and Cylons, hey, guess what, guys? This can work out. You can come together. Yes. Very interesting. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for walking us through okay. your final five. That's uh, So the, the very interesting thing is going to be now that the humans know what the Eye of Jupiter is and the Cylons don't, which of those five people is going to betray, quote unquote, humanity in order for the Cylons to catch up because I think the goal here is for humanity and the Cylons to arrive at Earth roughly at the same time together. But they have to come to a uh, they have to come to a peaceful coexistence before that happens. Okay. Very good. Uh he finishes out you dudes are my internet besties later uh ambassador Brainy Smurf. Uh Brainy I'm sorry we didn't wait long enough uh, so that, you know, we could totally have had this in here properly. Um, But uh, good email nonetheless, even though I haven't read half of it so far. Um, Okay, Joey, what uh, what rating do you give this for science fiction? Uh, For science fiction, I'm going to give this an 8. I think that they started to pay off a lot of the cool stuff that we saw in the previous episode. The promise that I talked about gets paid off to some extent here. I think they could have done more with this. I think they could have put more episodes 
it sounds like they were actually trying to do less with it. I think they should have done more. I think they should have explored. There's a lot of unanswered questions here. For example, how did the 13th colony know that they were going to need to build this temple so that the other 12 colonies could find them someday? Mm-hmm. How did the messages get back from the 13th colony across the 4,000-year span to make it in books of Scripture so that we would know the Eye of Jupiter when we found it. There's a lot of unanswered stuff in here that I would have liked to have seen explored. I'm getting a strong sense because you told me there's only like a season and a half left. I thought we still had two full seasons to go. Season and a half. I'm getting the sense that there's probably going to be a lot of unanswered questions at the end of the series. Uh, It's not lost. Okay. They're going to do, I feel, a much better job. Okay. But there are portions of this that are left up to just take it on faith mysticism yeah. that we just don't have the information from 4,000 years ago. It's gone. And for whatever reason, we don't know. It, there was something that happened. There was uh, some sort of preparation that happened for these people to set this thing up to help this future people i think it's the i think the it's line. the third party i just I, I i absolutely love it i'm gonna give this a seven i i'm i'm pretty good with most of it there are a few things where i just roll my eyes <laughs> at this episode um so yeah seven uh for television i'm gonna give this a seven i think there's some some good stuff i, I probably would have gone higher but there's some pretty goofy stuff in it too. oh yeah yeah definitely uh definitely gonna go with with a um a seven as well, but you're right. This goofiness because how many times have we seen that the Cylon chrome toasters just can't don't seem to go down with regular bullets? But you know what? Let's just keep firing regular bullets at them. <laughs> That's great. I, um, I like I like the Cylon torso. Yeah, <laughs> pulling, funny. pulling a, uh, a Terminator there, yeah. and just keeping uh, keep on going. By the way, I have to say this show. Does not hold up well to high death. In, in the big firefight between the humans and the Cylons, uh, you could very, very much tell the parts that were CGI on the high death screen. Well, that brings us to the end of another podcast. We hope that you've been inspired to take a deeper look at your entertainment choices and discuss it with friends, family, or just a couple of complete strangers you only know from the internet. As always, we invite your comments to our email at trekwest5 at thehomestarmy.com. You can tweet Pete at trekwest5, or you can call and leave us a voicemail at 801-508-4242. So until next time, I am Joey. And I am Peter. And we thank you for listening. See